Welcome back to Nevertheless, She Persisted, a podcast with Sadie Sutton. Today I'm here with one of my therapists from my therapeutic boarding school. Say hi. Hi, I'm Jake. Great to be here today. (laughs) All right. Um, do you have anything you want to say first? I, um, I would like the record to show that we are both enjoying the beautiful, delicious salad and some Indian rice and some chicken dish that is delightful. Okay, yes. And as as also, we converse, because it's yes, lunchtime. Yes, of course. And then also, I've given you full permission to talk about like my case and my experience. Yes. So you're not just violating HIPAA and exposing me. Right. Yes. Right. All right. Okay. Yeah. So first question, um, so I didn't work with you at first. I worked with Emily for the first six months. Um, I know my parents talked to you when they first came to visit, and you were the one that gave them a, pretty much a picture of what this program was. When they first came, before you came? Yeah. Uh-huh. When they came and toured, they talked to you. Um, what was your first impression of, like, reading my, like, you know, they'll give you, like, the rundown? Did you think I would be successful here? What was your first thoughts? Um, yeah, that's a big question. Yeah. And it was a long time ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> Here in two months. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that was interesting was most of our students come from wilderness and you mm-hmm. did not. Yes. Uh, which is great. Because I love a diversity of experiences. <laughs> like I love that we just have a campus where everyone can come and bring their different stories. Yeah. Um, there was a part of me that felt a little apprehensive because it was not quite the norm, mm-hmm. which, um... Um, sometimes if it's not like a tried and true method, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, this is outside of what we normally do. How is this going to go? Yeah. Luckily though, I mean, we knew the program you were, I've been there myself. I was like, I feel great about them. Mm-hmm. I feel great about that. I feel great about how they're responding to me. There was, I was like, I'm a believer that the process works for those that want it to work. Mm-hmm. And your parents, that's like the number one predictor I think is how well can mom and dad see it and get it and be bought in. I never bought him before I even came here. Yeah, um, yeah, and and that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you and your parents felt a lot of relief from where you were before. Definitely. And they're like, okay, this feels good. This is helpful, and we want more of this. So they're already craving that. So that made me really excited. Yeah. Um, so I always feel that way about every student. It's like, it's going to be what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a place where... And I, I say this to myself every day driving home, like we're a place that does great with people that want to help and want to change. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to or you're going to act intentionally go and thwart the process, then that makes it more difficult. Yeah. So to me that was like, well, is Sadie going to be that person that's like <laughs> actively getting in her own way or just accidentally getting in her own way? <laughs> and so I think you fall more on the accidentally side. Yes. You want, you always want to do what's best and trying to, and sometimes like, oh crap, that's so toes. hard. Yeah. Or I don't really want to do that. Isn't there an easier way? Mm-hmm. And then you come around like, crap, okay, that's the only way. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the majority of like therapy we do. Is it like talk therapy, psychotherapy? I know you've done DBT and stuff in the past, but what would we categorize this as? Uh, just good therapy. I don't know what that means. That's just good. No, um, <laughs> like you're asking the type, like the model that mm-hmm. I use or employ. Yeah. Uh, so I operate for more of a philosophical kind of, I have this umbrella mm-hmm. and when I operate underneath that umbrella, 
I'll do lots of different things. So I don't believe that I don't have like some therapy modalities or like here's a binder and step mm -hmm. one is page one and then you go to step two. And, mm -hmm. um, I like to have some guiding principles. One of my guiding principles and my training and what I'm passionate about is family systems. Okay. So this is really all about seeing each person in the context of their environment because mm -hmm. none of us live on an island or in a vacuum yeah <laughs> um so whenever i see a dysfunctional behavior i i automatically know this is something that has been effective in that person's environment mm -hmm. in the environment or as they've grown older it's no longer been effective it's now problematic mm -hmm. so we've been doing a lot of family systems work so mm -hmm. thinking about you and your role yes. that exists in the world and mm -hmm. in your family and working to shift and respond or change the way that the people around you respond mm -hmm. um, so we were able to identify um, I don't remember exactly how did we say it um, when you started to talk about oh I need to be empathetic and I need to like show up and care to mm -hmm. other people um, we put that symptom of the opposite of empathetic if you were like mm -hmm. mean or brash or harsh with someone mm -hmm. that wasn't just because you're a mean person that that behavior has a function in your system and it had protected you from feeling emotion yeah. which you don't like for to feel for a really long time yeah for a really long time so it actually makes perfect sense that you would say or do that thing mm -hmm. um it's not really helpful but once we were able to like call it something that's a little bit more adaptive yeah you were able to see it differently mm-hmm um, I know the first session that I did with you was when I was still working with Emily, and I think I've probably been here maybe a month or so by then, so it was pretty early on, but we I went into individual and I came out realizing that I had this core belief that I didn't deserve to be loved, and um, you were the first person that kind of like talked that through with mm -hmm. me and kind of planted that idea. Um, could you just tell that right off the bat, or... Well, so in that case, I had the advantage. One was that I felt you, you were pretty good at blowing, putting out these bombs everywhere else mm -hmm. to keep the attention off you. Yeah. So whenever I see that, I'm like, okay, here's already someone that doesn't like to think or reflect or look at themselves inwardly. Mm -hmm. And that's usually it's because they love themselves too much and are like narcissistic and I have no problems or, yeah. or it's the other way. Mm -hmm. I also had the distinct advantage that I wasn't your therapist. Yeah. I could just come in here and blow it up and like <laughs> tell it to you and give you all this feedback and just yeah. like, here's what I see, take it or leave it. But I do believe had I been your therapist, you would not have been able to receive that from me. I think the same thing. Like if Emily had been the one to say that, I you'd be like, you don't know me, you don't get it. And the yeah. bomb would have come out here. But it was me just kind of stepping in as a one-off. I don't really belong in that system mm -hmm. in that way so it yeah. kind of felt less threatening because I maybe didn't have the same agenda mm -hmm. or something like that so um so yeah your question is could I tell that right away I don't think I knew that going into the session yeah but as soon as I could see the emotion come over you mm -hmm. like I could see the color change in your face I could see I could I could see you having a physiological response and people only have those physiological responses when you're feeling something yeah do you agree that you wouldn't have accepted that from mm -hmm. Emily or me if I had been your ongoing therapist? I think so, because I remember so many times when Emily would tell me different things, like, I had to lead my own therapy. I'd be like, nope, that's, I, like, need someone to lead it for me. Like, that's not possible. So I already had, like, this wall up of, that can't be right. You don't know me. I haven't been here long enough for you to understand me. 
Um, so I think it would have been a lot more difficult. Also, I noticed a similar thing after I'd been working with you for a while where you would suggest certain things. At first, I was like, he's right about everything all the time. Um, but Which then is I, true. <laughs> oh my god. And then um, I, like, after a while, I tend to have, like, more doubt. So I noticed the same pattern with Emily at certain times. Mm -hmm. So it's important to, like, like, using her as, like, a gatekeeper, per se, to, like, get through new phases and get more things. Um, and remembering to, like, not have that relationship. And in a, in a way, she kind of, the dynamic just seemed to recapitulate what happens in your family. Yeah, definitely. And that's been a role I've been really trying to not step into. Yeah. It was a complete, like, carbon copy of what was going on with, like, my siblings and with my parents. So I would, like, come out of session so upset, being like, nothing's changing, I just, like, don't understand. And it was hard for me to, like, make the changes I needed to make because nothing felt different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how would you, so when I think about the work we did, I think about how we uncovered, like, the not deserving to be loved piece. We talked about how I, like, never think I'll be good enough for myself or my parents. Um, we did, the biggest part was probably my compassion work, so, like, choosing to be kind and empathetic to others so I can have relationships, even if it's uncomfortable. Um, is there anything else you think that... If we're just talking like gloat, like what's the work mm -hmm. that you've done? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think you're doing a good. I, I don't know. I I think you would be more of the expert on that question. Yeah. But I love the way you're thinking about like, here's these core parts of myself that I've had to make sense of and see and recognize and make mm -hmm. room for. Mm -hmm. And from there, there's probably other iterations or other as you go out. So mm -hmm. if I can think of it more differently about, oh, I don't like to be nice to people because that means I have to be vulnerable and feel mm -hmm. emotion. Like, that insight helps you in turn to better be nice to people. Yeah. To, to oversimplify it. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think is the most dysfunctional thing that I do? Like, the how I, like, when I went to residential, the most dysfunctional thing I did, I would say, was associating all my problems with my parents. That was a really big one. Coming to think was like the most dysfunctional pattern I was using. Um, you do, there's this dynamic that comes, you kind of talk out of both sides of your mouth. Mm -hmm. So we talked a lot about this when you're like, I want to be in charge and it's my life and I'm in the driver's seat and we'd be like, okay, drive it. And you'd be like, no, no, I need <laughs> you to drive it for me. Yeah. Like, and, and you, eventually we got to be this overt about it. Like, mm -hmm. here's what's happening. You want, yeah. say you want to be in the driver's seat but and you park the car yeah. and you refuse to get in it. Yeah. Um, so that happens a lot and probably still happens now to where it mm -hmm. feels really scary to be like, oh crap, I'm driving. So sometimes it's easier to activate other people mm -hmm. and this comes out with your family. If they're overly activated and engaged and they can be the ones driving and then you can take a step back. Yeah. So I think there's just some real um, ambiguity. Mm -hmm. or, or ambivalence, I would say. That's mm -hmm. a better word. You know ambivalence? Mm -hmm. Like that feeling really both ways. Like I want to drive and it's so scary. I think that is a very real emotion that most humans can identify with. Mm -hmm. Like that makes a lot of sense. And I think both of those lead you to behaviors that 
yeah. not helpful. So <laughs> can I give you yeah. a quick example? Mm -hmm. I brought this up on one of our calls a couple of weeks ago. You're talking about the rules and you're like, don't treat me like my little brother. Don't treat me like my little brother. Don't treat me like yeah. And then your, your parents said something and you're like, but he doesn't have to do that. And yeah. it was like, treat me just like him, please. <laughs> he, why does why does he get away with that, but I don't? Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, which do you want here? Do you want to be yeah. the adult or do you want to be the child? Yeah. You can't have it both ways. And sometimes I think the comfort zone is to have it both ways. And mm -hmm. that's not good. I like the privileges without the consequences. Or, or yeah, or the responsibility. Because yeah, with each privilege, there's like this weight of autonomy. And if you have this negative self-image, any power that's genuinely in your court will feel really threatening. Mm -hmm. Like... Don't give it to me because I'll just mess it up because I'm awful. I'm yeah. trash. Don't give it to me. Can someone more expert and experienced take you it. do it? Yeah. Mom and dad, you guys are great. You are like the world's the most amazing mom and dad. You yeah. can figure please this out. You do it. it. You yeah. please fix it. Um, but then it harbors resentment and bitterness and anxiety. And I think that's what mm -hmm. came out a lot with Emily is yeah. that you put her in that position to fix it, but then felt resentful that she was and, yeah. and she would kind of step in it with you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, what have you seen change since we started working together? Well, it's kind of hard to say because I didn't know you that well beforehand. Mm -hmm. But the things that you're articulating now, like, one thing that always impressed me about you is we'd talk about something, and then I would go and hear from staff, and they would say, like, oh, Sadie said this. And I'd say, oh, that's what I told her. It's like, <laughs> it's happening. It's real. It's, it's, yeah. it's work. Like, so it became pretty immediate that what happened in my office or in our sessions mm -hmm. was being talked about and dealt with. And you, I could honestly trust that you were trying really hard to implement mm -hmm. it. You were trying to know how. I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And often didn't know, or it would be yeah. like trial and error, For sure. um, but you would get there. So staff would come like, Sadie's doing this new thing. I'd be like, oh, that's, that's exactly what she told me she would be doing. Yeah. That's exciting that she's trying that. Mm -hmm. That always really impressed me. I don't know that that was always there before. I think maybe what would have been there before your desire to do well, I think has always been there, but maybe mm -hmm. what had been there before was, I want you to drive, but not really, so I'm not going to make you tell me what to do, but then I'm not going to really listen to it and follow through, and your idea is yeah. going to fail, and it'll be your fault that it failed and not my fault. Yeah. And I think you've taken a lot of ownership, and um, maybe it's been part of my unwillingness to take any, yeah. and I'm narcissistic enough to not take any, like, <laughs> I can do that, Yeah. Um, so that you know it's on you. I yeah. It's been a big change. I know I did like therapy for years and years and I would like go into these sessions and like talk about all these issues and we'd do like so many chain analysis or I would like go back and forth and back and forth with my mom. Um but there would never be like a takeaway or like this is something I could do different. It was just focusing on what didn't work and like I was like, Well, I just feel awful and I hate this and I'm like this feeling is miserable, but it wasn't like so what can I change and what can I do differently? So once I got on the mindset of like focusing on that side of things, it was a lot more effective to mm -hmm. like see change for sure. Okay, now I think of another question. Okay, um, let's see. Okay, here's a good one. In your honest opinion, do you think I'll be successful at home or do you think I will go back to how my relationships were before? I don't know how to answer that without like the crystal ball. <laughs> I can say if you do what you're, if you do what you know you can do, mm -hmm. then yeah, there's no reason why you should never go back. Yeah. Like you have, you possess all the skills and insight and it's ability to I be successful. Yeah. It's going to be how willing are you to take risks. And that's, you've heard that from me. 
all the yeah. time. Of like, okay, I get it. I want to do it, but I don't actually really want to do it. Yeah. I think you're going to go home and you're going to get your butt kicked by, like, you're going to be in a new school with new mm -hmm. friends and relationships are going to be tough and you're going to feel threatened mm -hmm. and more vulnerable and you feel that way, you get defensive. Yes. Um, and then I got that's when like I don't want to drive but I do want to drive like all of that comes yeah, out definitely. so a big part of it is how willing can you be to go through some loneliness and some sadness and mm -hmm. to genuinely get your needs met even though you probably won't have friends your first week or month or yeah. year at school I hope not year that seems like I that hope not too but I usually tell people plan on six months mm -hmm. like you're not gonna have like best friends like maybe you do and maybe you, you just jump right in and that's great mm -hmm. but relationships grow yeah. And I always suggest, like, just know that first semester, don't be the expecting, like, I'm going to be homecoming queen and have thousands of loyal fans following me everywhere I go. <laughs> that's your goal. It's not going to happen. Okay. It's not my goal, so that's okay. good. That's good. So that yes. is good. Um, what principles do you think can be applied for listeners who struggle with relationships but aren't at a therapeutic boarding school and having help with stuff all the time? Um, I think it, it, I, I talk a lot about risks mm -hmm. and I believe risks, healthy risks, calculated risks are always worth taking and most of us don't get into trouble because we're too risky emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, most of us get into trouble because we feel shame and we try to clam up and we hide away yeah and we work hard to not fully be seen mm -hmm. um, and I would argue even the people if you know people in your life they're like I'm an open book and I'll say all things to everyone and they just wear their heart on their sleeve I would say that's probably not actually who they are vulnerability yeah. that's probably I'll just overshare so I don't ever have to have any boundaries and I'll it's probably the same defense mechanism it just plays out the opposite way mm -hmm. so that's all that's my would be my advice is like practicing knowing how you feel which is an effort in and of itself mm -hmm. and then being able to articulate it and to have the vocabulary and the willingness to tell one person it mm -hmm. Ugh, that's hard yeah yes because it's got to be real to you mm -hmm. and that's the hardest part is like if i tell someone then it's going to be real. If I tell someone how lonely I am, I have to acknowledge and admit how lonely I am. Mm -hmm. And how much I really do need a friend, or I do need someone to hang out with me tonight. Or Yeah. Um, we went to Thailand together. We did. That was fun. What was your experience of me and my relationships on that trip? Um, we've talked about this before. I think it's a tale of two halves, and I still don't really know what changed, but... You were the first completely content, like, I have my headphones in, I have my book, I have my yeah. my games, and part of me was like, well, Sadie's happy and not causing a fuss, and she wants to just reg read yeah. and participate <laughs> and time. be fine, okay, yeah. that's her, and she can do that, and then a part of me was like, but well, that's not long-term success, and it's yeah. a shame that we're in this beautiful place doing this once-in-a-lifetime thing, and Sadie has to do it all by herself. Yeah. And we had some talks about that. Yeah. Um, and then I think there was a couple of other experiences that were new that opened up your eyes a little bit more. And then by the second half, it felt like it had shifted to where you were more open. When you get anxious, you just control it. 
Yes. And, and you just latch onto it, and you're that person that, like, some people feel anxious and they disconnect and just avoid it. You're yep. the person that, like, really aligns with yeah. it and, like, hugs it and snuggles that anxiety and just hugs it away, but it doesn't yeah. really go away. So, um, um, so that's how you're always trying to manage it. And so I think it was cool when you were more open to the anxiety versus always trying to figure it yeah. out to manage it and make it go away. Like open to the risk and mm -hmm. reached out to friends that maybe you hadn't reached out to before. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you a question? Yes. What's been, if, if is there one moment that sticks out to you as this was a changing moment throughout this whole, this whole journey? Like there's probably, you've had many, many like small micro moments, but is there one moment that you look back as like that was actually, it was a defining moment. I think about one group we had in Thailand where I like realized that I was doing what I've been talking about for like three months. Um, we were listening to that awful classical music on those speakers, and that was really bad. It was just a loop forever. Um, but I was like talking about the trip so far, and I was dating how at first I decided I didn't need really. Is this the group? Was just there was just students. Yeah, I and think, then yeah. my parents. Okay, just students. Okay, I wasn't at that one, so this, I'm hearing this for the first yes, time. Yes, I think so. Um, no, everyone was there. Oh, okay. It then was I like was... towards the end. You okay. Were there. Okay. Um, but uh, I was talking about how at the beginning of the relationship, I'd done what I normally did, where I was like, I don't need relationships to be happy. I'll be fine being independent. And then I was really miserable, and I was like, I don't understand what's happening. This is works all the time. Um, and then I tried, like, bit by bit to try and put myself out there and build relationships, um, and I just remember being like, oh my gosh, like, I'm doing it, and I can do this, and it's not something that I have to be scared of. So then I kept doing it, and I was able to have actual relationships and be vulnerable. Uh-huh. Yeah. I do remember that. Yes. I was there. Yeah, I cried. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was doesn't happen often. No, it happens every single time we have a session. <laughs> every single week, Jake. Sometimes. Uh, but then the cool week. part too was like, so you came back to campus and you're like, I remember you saying, like, oh, there's all these new people. I had this great experience with these friends in Thailand, mm -hmm. but now there's all these other kids that weren't there and do I want to just go back to normal? Yeah. And you kind of had that moment again. And then I remember shortly after that you had a visit mm -hmm. and you were like, that was our focus was can you do this at home yeah. with mom and dad and you told them like guys I made this kind of change in this epiphany and yeah. they smiled and nodded politely they were great like, what? okay go get them little slugger you like, they were like what okay. are you talking about but a little bit like we'll believe it when we see it but yeah wanting to like support and yeah. in all the right ways and then you had the visit and I think you had some positive like it wasn't that wasn't just the moment that changed mm -hmm. it was you had that moment but then you had it again mm -hmm. and then you chose it again and you chose it a handful of times and yeah soon that started to become more of the normal mm -hmm. and they were like whoa this is so cool and i was like i already told you this that i do this now and they were like well we didn't believe you <laughs> i was like fine okay yeah but yeah what's um, been the most important thing to you as far as therapy goes? Like if you were to talk to someone out out there who's thinking of going to therapy or maybe goes to therapy but doesn't get a lot out of it? Um, 
you have to want to change. For a really long time, I didn't want to change, and I got nothing out of therapy. Um, and you get out what you put in. So if you, I remember when I switched therapists when I was doing outpatient DBT, I had one therapist who I got along with pretty well. I would like, had like a pretty good relationship with her. And then I was like super upset and awful and just having an awful day. And that was the day I switched therapists. And I was like, you know, I don't think I can do therapy. Like if I have a different therapist, like I just won't do it anymore. But I went to the session, I just like cried and was actually myself and like showed her what was going on. Um, and from that point on, we had a lot of really good sessions because I was able to like put myself out there and talk about what was on my mind. Um, so if I feel like everyone will go into therapy, maybe not understanding what's going on, but having like a bundle of like feelings or a thought that like they're ruminating about. And if you don't address that, if you don't address what you're worried about and just like put it all out there, you're not going to get anything out of it at all. Yeah. And you also have to want to change. Or you'll just get better about talking about your feelings and nothing will be different. Yeah. If you don't want to change, you just get better at staying the same. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I did that for a while too. But yeah, you have to want to change. You have to understand how you can work with yourself to make things change. And then you change. Magic. It's just like magic. Yeah, you just like wave a wand and then you're... A lot of intentionality and hard work and focus. It just happens like magic. Yes. Um, okay, last question. What if you had audience with every therapist in the country? If there was something oh. you wanted them to know, what would you tell them? Um, well, actually, I used to do that because my old therapist was, she was doing, it's not, what you, her postdoc. Uh -huh. And so she would, like, record her sessions to show to her, um, like... Supervisor. Yeah, and I would always get, like, stuff like... <laughs> I don't know what to talk about. Like, I'd get really anxious. Do you like, send so, messages? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, hi. Hi, so-and-so supervisor. She's doing great. Yeah. Up. It was, like, really awkward. So I would do badly in that situation if I was, like, Skype therapying with everyone. No, but if, if, if you, there's something that you're like, hey, every therapist needs to know this. From my perspective, here's something that they need to know. Um, you have to understand something yourself to help someone else understand it. Um... I know from personal experience, trying to help people understand things, I have to understand and like have experienced it first. And I know you had experience with the whole making a switch and making the active decision things. And I think if you hadn't done that with like complaining, <laughs> that I never would have been able to understand it or believe uh, it. Okay. So it take, takes one to know one and you, to have like genuine empathy, you have to have gone through you have to really, no, backwards, um, to have successful therapy, you have to empathize, and to have empathize, you have to have experienced it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've never gone to treatment. Whatever. It's, but you can empathize. Yeah, but I haven't experienced that. Yeah, but you can I've never, to be, I'm never, like, self-harmed in that way. Probably self-harmed, like, with too much ice cream. Or, but for sure, there's probably been ways I've done things that are not healthy. Yeah. Probably. But there are some things I've not experienced that you have experienced that I, I've not experienced. And even if I did experience it, it's my it own would, way. Yeah. It wouldn't be the same as you. But I would say you understand what it feels like to not like certain things about yourself and oh, change yeah. things. You understand, like, not, you understand feeling miserable. 
you understand those basic principles that can be applied to almost anyone who's suffering. That's the emotion. Yeah. You don't I, have to I, I know what loneliness feels like. Mm -hmm. I know what it feels like to so not be So you can help people feel not lonely. That almost sounds like there's something advantageous or good about these really distressing emotions. Okay, well that's like there's not there's some value that they bring and when but embraced yeah. and accepted, maybe they're there to help others. I'm not becoming a psychologist, I'm telling you that. I don't I wouldn't but, I wouldn't dream of it. Okay. Um, but Yes. You get the you, that's what you like there's some value to you feeling all the pain and misery you felt. As much as I hate it, yes. Yeah. There They've was. had something good to teach you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, now cool. we have to say PS nevertheless she persisted together after I do my nice outro. Okay. Thank you for listening. Um, next week, I um, don't know what I'm doing next week. Thank you for listening. Okay, be sure to follow the Instagram for Nevertheless She Persisted. I post lots of previews, quotes, photos, all that kind of stuff relating to the podcast, so be sure to stay up to date when new podcasts are released at Nevertheless Podcast with SS. Alright, ready? P.S. Yes. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, she, she persisted. persisted.